Welcome back to the Vine Church Podcast. Today, we are continuing our sermon series, Seeing Jesus, exploring the first nine chapters of Luke's Gospel. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 4, verses 38 to 44. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, for that is why I was sent. And he kept preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Well, thank you very much, Elsie, for that wonderful reading from Luke chapter 4, verses 38 to 44. And we're going to be looking at this passage now together. So have your Bibles open if you like, and uh, let's dig in and have a good look at it. Now, just let's step back a minute and remember what happened prior to this occurrence that we've just read. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 14, we read how Jesus first, according to Luke, started out in Nazareth, his hometown, and there he announced his kingdom manifesto, that he was the spirit of the Lord was upon him, anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to open the eyes of the blind, to heal the oppressed, and so on. And there in Nazareth, he was rejected by his own townsfolk. And there in Nazareth, they were so unbelieving that he didn't perform any miracles there. And there in Nazareth, they tried to kill him. And so he fled and left the town. Now in Luke chapter 4, verse 31, we read of Jesus in Capernaum, the town of Capernaum by the shores of Lake Galilee. And we read of three Sabbath scenes, and they all begin with S. So three Sabbath scenes beginning with S. See if you can say that right now. Three Sabbath scenes beginning with S, okay? And the first one is the synagogue. And we looked at that a few weeks ago with Joshua. There was Jesus in the synagogue on the Sabbath. It was late morning and he delivers a man who has an evil spirit. He demonstrates his kingdom authority over the powers of darkness. And then scene two is in Simon's house. After the synagogue service, Jesus goes back to Simon's house for lunch. Except there's a problem. There is no lunch. Why is that? Because the mother-in-law is ill. She has a fever. And so Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. And we heard about that last week. He demonstrates his kingdom authority by healing her from her illness. Now we come to scene three. Here we are in this reading we've just had, and we have sunset on Sabbath day. 
And this is Sabbath. People have been waiting all day. They saw the miracles that Jesus performed in the synagogue in the morning. They, they want their relatives and themselves to be healed. So they're waiting. They're not allowed to go out on the Sabbath. But as soon as it's sunset, the Sabbath is finished. They come out and they crowd around probably Peter's house. And Jesus comes out. And it tells us there in verse 40 and 41 that Jesus um, when the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, laying his hands on each one of them, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you're the son of God, but he rebuked them. And so Jesus performs many miracles there on the Sabbath in, uh, uh, in, in Capernaum. Now, just notice, by the way, in that passage, it's, it's a long evening for Jesus. He's had a busy day. Uh, he's been healing people. And now there's crowds of people coming to him, wanting to be healed and delivered. And he takes his time. It says that he prays for each one of them. He lays hands on each one of them. Jesus doesn't just do this mass prayer over the crowds, or he doesn't tell them to go home and come back tomorrow because he's tired. He prays for each person, person by person. He knows every one of their needs. He gives every one of them individual attention, and he meets with every one of them in specific, unique ways to their particular need. There's a beautiful hymn called, At In, At In Ere the Sun Was Set, The Sick, O Lord, Around Thee Lay. Oh, in what diverse pains they met. Oh, with what joy they went away. It's depicting this scene here. Once more, tis eventide now for us, and we, oppressed with various ills, draw near. What if thy form we cannot see? We know and feel that thou art here. O Saviour, Christ, our woes dispel, for some are sick and some are sad, and some have never loved thee well, and some have lost the love they had. And it finishes like this. Thy touch has still its ancient power, no word from thee can fruitless fall. Here in this solemn evening hour and in thy mercy heal us all. You see, Jesus cares for each one of us. He cares for the individual and he's willing to deal with you and meet with you specifically in your own unique situation. So there we have those three Sabbath scenes, the synagogue, Simon's house and at sunset. But there is one more scene in this passage, and it takes place the morning after. It's likely that Jesus went to bed. I mean, it was a late night, but probably he did get a bit of, of sleep. And then it tells us in verse 42 that early in the morning, it says there that uh, at daybreak, he went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And so this final scene, we have Jesus early in the morning going out to a solitary place and praying before the crowds come and find him. Now, the first point that I want to make to you this morning is this. Jesus had a purpose, and he knew his purpose. He says, this is why I have been sent. 
What is the purpose that he's been sent for? It is to preach the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, and to demonstrate that kingdom through delivering people, bringing people into the kingdom by healing, delivering, and saving them. This is the first mention of the kingdom in Luke's gospel, but it's the first of 37 references to the kingdom in Luke. Jesus has come to bring the kingdom rule and reign of God over people's lives. And that's what he was always here to do. In fact, that's what Israel was supposed to do. Israel was supposed to live out the kingdom of God and then to extend that kingdom across the earth. As it says in Isaiah 49 verse 6, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation might reach to the ends of the earth. That was what Israel was supposed to do to be a light to the Gentiles, to extend the kingdom to the ends of the earth. But they had fallen asleep on the job. They kept turning in on themselves, forgetting what they were here for. Now Jesus arrives and Jesus does what Israel has failed to do. Jesus is going to be the true Israel who will bring the kingdom to people and then who will extend the kingdom to all people. And he announced that manifesto in Luke chapter 4 as we read, the Spirit of God is upon me that I might preach the good news to the poor and release those who are oppressed. That's what Jesus is doing. He delivers the man in the synagogue. He heals the mother-in-law. Now he heals everyone. You see, this isn't just a magic show for Jesus here. Jesus is demonstrating the kingdom in Luke 4, verse 44, he says, I must preach the kingdom. His purpose was to do that, and he knew what his purpose was. And he knew that there were implications for him because he knew what his purpose was. It meant that he would have to travel. It meant that he'd have to go to all the towns. It meant that eventually he would have to set his face to go to Jerusalem where he would be rejected and where he would die. He knew that if he stayed in Capernaum, he wouldn't end up on the cross. And so he might heal a few people, but he wouldn't deal with their biggest problem to deal with their sin. You see, Jesus is actually very narrow-minded. Jesus has one purpose, and he's sticking to his purpose, which is to bring the kingdom in all its fullness to all peoples. So that's my first point. He has a purpose. But do you know, we too have a purpose. And that's my second point. You have a purpose. Turn to the person next to you and say to them, you have a purpose. And that's right. Now, the other person can say back to you, ah, but do you know what your purpose is? You see, Jesus knew what his purpose was. Do we know what our purpose is? Have we remembered what our purpose is? In the demands and the busyness of life, are we able to keep remembering, why am I here? You see, in the same way that Simon Peter's mother-in-law was healed and then got straight on with serving, we too are saved and healed so that we can serve. 
Now, there's one sense in which I can't tell you what your exact purpose is. For each one of us, our purpose is unique. It's distinctive for everyone, and there are particular things that God will call you to do, and I can't dictate and tell you, obviously, what exactly those things are going to look like in your life. But there is another sense in which I can tell you what you are here for. And this, what, this is what it is. It is the same purpose that Jesus was here for, except obviously slightly different. You are here to glorify God by living in his kingdom and by proclaiming his kingdom. Now, your purpose is not identical to Jesus in scope or in magnitude or in effect, of course. Only Jesus can save. But we too are called to preach the kingdom by our deeds and our declarations, by our works and our words, by our example and our exhortations. Jesus said in John chapter 20, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I send you. You are a sent one. You have been sent by God for a purpose. As the Father sent Jesus, you have been sent to be little Jesuses to fulfill the Great Commission, to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit to teach them everything he has commanded, to make disciples. You are here to extend the kingdom, to make disciples of people. There's a little ditty that I quite like, which goes like this. You are writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds that you do and the words that you say. Men read what you write, faithful or true, faithless or true. So what is the gospel according to you? You see, your life is writing a gospel. Your life is proclaiming a message to people. And in everyday life, God does not remove us from everyday life, but he shapes our everyday life with his kingdom values. And so we don't withdraw. We don't say as a family, well, we only watch Christian movies. No, it's okay. You're, you're allowed to watch non-Christian movies. Just check on Common Sense Media before you expose your kids to stuff that's not helpful. But then watch together. Have quality time together. Let the kingdom be in your family. Talk about things together. Talk about the movie and the good and the bad of it as well. You see, let me ask you a question. If you're a parent today, what is your purpose for your children? What is it that you as a parent are supposed to do? Well, it's not really to get them into the sports team or to help them pass their grade four piano or to give, get them good exam results. Your purpose is to teach them the kingdom, to set a good example, to help them to hear God's word, to make them kingdom kids. Now, they can work that out as they learn the piano, as they interact in their sports team, as they study hard to get good results, they can live out the kingdom. But the purpose is this, that you make them kingdom people. In your marriage, what is the purpose of your marriage? Is it to make you happy? No, it's not. Hopefully you will be. But the purpose is this, it's to influence your partner for the kingdom of God to encourage them to walk according to God's purposes. And if they're not a Christian, to be salt and light to them in the home and to pray for them and pray them into the kingdom. What about in your workplace? What is your purpose in your workplace? 
It's not to get a raise, it's not to get a promotion, or even to be a good worker. Now, those are all good things to achieve, but the purpose for you there is to demonstrate the kingdom to people by working hard for the Lord, by doing things excellently without sulking, with joy, showing honesty, not gossiping about colleagues, not flirting with colleagues, not swearing, checking out so that you can be with your family, showing a good life-work balance because you're a kingdom person. You're living for the kingdom. You're having conversations for the kingdom with your colleagues. You are here for the kingdom of God. What about our church? Our church is here to make disciples, to teach others, to extend the kingdom, to be salt and light in the community, to bring the kingdom of God in heart districts and beyond. Now, this brings me to another point, my third point. We've seen that Jesus had a purpose, that we have a purpose. Thirdly, our purpose will be challenged. The purpose that Jesus had was challenged. You see, Jesus could have not fulfilled his purpose for a couple of reasons. The first reason, and obviously he didn't do this because he is the son of God, but he could have been, if you like, kind of lazy and taken the easy path. I mean, get this, it's sunset, he's been working hard all day, and the crowds come to him, he could have said, I am done with today. I, I've, done, I've had enough, you know, I need to just relax, come back tomorrow. But he doesn't. I mean, have you ever had enough? Have you ever felt you have a hard week at work? You've been giving out. You've been dealing with rubbish at work. You've been gracious towards your colleagues. You've been bottling it all up inside, all your frustrations. And then finally, at the end of the day, someone calls you and says, oh, just, uh, just this. And suddenly you kind of want to explode because, because it's just all built up. You're tired and you have to take one more deep breath and ask God to fill you to be a Christian influence at the end of a long day to show that colleague that God cares for them. Or maybe you've had a hard, long day and you go home to your family. And as you go through the door, you say to yourself, I'm not going to be grumpy, deep breath. I'm going to ask God to help me. I'm going to set a good example. I'm going to love my family. I'm going to make disciples at home. I'm going to bring the kingdom into my home. You see, I'd encourage you to do all dayers for God, all day, all the way through to sunset and beyond. Live wholeheartedly, build your life upon the values of the kingdom of God. You see, as a parent, it's so easy to opt out, isn't it? And when you do, you're actually depriving your kids of what you're supposed to be giving them. You're letting laziness or tiredness stop you from discipling them, stop you from conversing with them, stop you from disciplining them, and therefore depriving them of learning from God. A husband or a wife, oh, I don't want to talk. Of course, we need downtime. But actually, you're depriving your partner of that opportunity to extend the kingdom in your marriage by talking together, by praying together, by walking together. And you come to church and you say, well, I've just come to receive. I'll let others do it for me. And then I'll critique how they do it. Um, 
No, it says, do not be lacking in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord with eagerness. And so we don't let laziness stop us from serving. Now, let's just get something straight here. In order to serve others and fulfill our purpose, we do need to rest. I mean, Jesus retreats. He has some me time, if you like. But it's so that he can serve others better, so that he can fulfill his purpose. You see, we're not robots. It's not like, I must serve others. I must keep serving people. No, obviously, we need rest. You've heard of forced labor, haven't you? Well, do you know, as far as God's concerned, there is, a, there is forced rest. He commanded us to take time off. He commanded us to have a Sabbath, to have a rest. Jesus retreats. Jesus rests. Jesus, after a long day, has some sleep, gets up, goes to be by himself, goes to pray and be with his father. Jesus must get to God before the people get to him. But in the end, of course, the people do get to him. They find him. They come out and they find him. And then, this is the last point I want to make, there is another thing that could have stopped him from fulfilling his purpose, and it can stop us as well. Not only tiredness and laziness can stop us, but also the demands of other people. If I could put it a bit crudely, the demands of ignorant people can stop us from fulfilling our purpose. Now, it's not that they're ignorant in every way, but they don't understand what you're here for. They might be well-meaning, they might intend good, but actually they don't understand your purpose. And so they can pull you in all sorts of directions to stop you from fulfilling what you are supposed to be doing with your life. I mean, imagine what it would have been like for Jesus here in Capernaum. He's just had a really successful day in Capernaum. And the people, you can imagine them coming to him and saying, hey, Jesus, you really should stay. I mean, they might not love you in Nazareth, but we love you, that's for sure. We're not going to try and kill you. We listen to you. We respond to you. Stay. Be our pastor. We'll look after you. You're becoming a local celebrity around here. You can use this as your base, Jesus. Just stay here. We'll build a hotel by the lake. People can come and listen to you. You know, you can just be here. This is this would be lovely. Just stay, Jesus. You've got followers here. You need to keep your followers. You need to grow your followers. Don't wake, walk away from all of this. I mean, there's revival happening here. Yesterday, we had a mini revival. Uh, uh, you know, stay. They're ignorance, though, ignorance of Jesus' purpose. They don't understand. He's not their personal doctor or healer. He's not here to make them feel better, to do a magic show, to get their town on the map. You see, Jesus is not a yes man. He is a no man because he knows his purpose and therefore he's able to say no. You see, imagine if you had started a sandwich shop and you, you had this ethos with your sandwich shop, which is this. We make a good sandwich for an affordable price. Your sandwich shop goes really well in your town. And it's doing well. You've, uh, you're doing it. It's in Odium. It's growing. And uh, you start to build it. You, build, you get put another sandwich shop in Hartley Whitney because it's going really well. And then another one in Fleet. And, and then it grows. The company's growing. And you get a board of directors. 
and a new uh, director comes on board, the board, and uh, he says, hey, you know what? We're doing really well with selling sandwiches. I think we should branch out. I mean, I think we should send some people out to go around and sell kitchen appliances. You say, what? No, you don't know what we're here for. We have one purpose. We make a good sandwich at an affordable price. That's what we're here to do. Yeah, that's a well-meaning intention, but it's not what we're here for. You see, people will come into your life and they will tell you what you ought to do, but they don't understand your purpose. They might say, hey, you know what? Why don't you join with us, your friends, and say, hey, every Sunday, why don't you come out on an event? There's lots of events coming up later this year. Why don't you sign up for all these events and just be with us every Sunday? They don't understand who you are. Or your mates say, hey, look at this video. <laughs> look at this filthy video. You sort of see, should see this. They don't, you don't, they don't understand. They don't understand that your eyes have been bought by Jesus, been purchased for a purpose, not for that rubbish. You've got a purpose. They don't know that. They don't understand. You say, well, church, we could adjust our church to keep people happy, to adjust our style. Maybe we should rethink our message. People will like us more if we kind of just give in to their demands for us as a church. Or we could say, look, let's just become comfortable. Let's just turn in on ourselves. But instead of evangelizing, we end up fossilizing. Why? Because we've stopped going. If we stop going, if we stop realizing what our purpose is to worship God and to extend his worship on mission, if we forget that, then we will slowly die. You see, if you, don't, if you stop going, you will stop growing. We must not let the church turn from a lifeboat station into a marina. We're all sitting around on the sun decks of our yachts, sipping G&Ts, chatting to one another in a nice, safe little marina. No, we are a lifeboat station. We're supposed to be going out and rescuing drowning men and women, boys and girls, in Heart District and beyond. We're here for a purpose. We must not forget our purpose. We must not forget what we're here for. We need to get up and wake up and get into the day and get ready for what God has got for us next so that we don't forget what we're here for. We mustn't allow ourselves to just sleepily drift off into just following the crowd, keeping the crowd happy, doing what everyone else wants us to do with our lives, doing what our sinful flesh wants us to do with our lives, doing what our laziness wants us to do with ourselves. No, we need to say, God, I need you. I need you to show me and remind me of who I am. I love it in The Lion King. Do you know the story in The Lion King? And there we have Simba, who disappears off, leaves the Pride Lands, ends up in this kind of paradise place. I can't remember what it's called, but it's really nice, like, beautiful paradise. And uh, he just has a whale of a time. He meets a girl, you know, and uh, it's kind of a kuna matata, no worries, just enjoy yourself. And he's out there, and he's having a nice time. 
And then one day, meantime, Pride Lands is in a terrible place because Scar's destroying it. And uh, Mufasa, no, not Mufasa, Rafiki, the monkey, finds Simba and says, I need you to meet your father. And so he takes him to the waterside. And Simba looks into the water and he sees himself. And then he sees his father in himself as he looks at that reflection and Mufasa his father speaks to him and says my son you have forgotten who you are and therefore you have forgotten what you're here for and Simba suddenly wakes up realizes he's supposed to be the king he's supposed to be ruling he's supposed to be back in the pride lands and so he does he goes have you remembered who you are? Are you sleeping and just drifting through? Or are you awake? Are you alert? Are you watchful? Are you aware of who God has made you to be? What God has called you to do? That you are a kingdom man or woman. You are a kingdom kid. And you are here to live out the kingdom. And to extend the kingdom. To preach the kingdom. By your words and by your works. To declare and live wholeheartedly for him. Build your life on his foundation. As we were singing earlier on. I will build my life on him alone. I will put him first. I will follow him first. I will guard my heart against the popularity that I might be wanting from other people. I will guard my heart against just trying to kind of keep everybody happy. Uh, you know, the last scene we see of Jesus here is this, and it's a long shot with the camera. And it's Jesus with a couple of disciples, perhaps, walking off out, out of Capernaum on a dusty road because he's got to go. He's got to keep going. He's on a mission. He knows his purpose. What about you? Do you know your purpose? Are you, are you going to recommit yourself fully to him right now? Why don't you do that right now? If you're not a Christian, maybe you need to do that right now. Maybe you need to give yourself for the first time to him and say, Lord, I want to stop living for myself and for my own selfish purposes, and I want to live for you and for you alone. Lord, I want to repent of my sin, and I want to ask you to take hold and take charge of my life. Why don't we pray right now as we draw to a close and respond with a song? Lord God, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you did not allow yourself to be sidetracked. You did not get pulled away from your purpose. We thank you that you went to all the towns. We thank you you went all the way to the cross. <laughs> We're so grateful, Lord, because we would not be here if you hadn't. It matters. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to know that it matters what we do. It matters how we live. It matters that we know our purpose. Lord, we don't want to deprive our family, our colleagues of you we don't want to deprive them through not fulfilling our calling we don't want to deprive our towns and villages and communities of you 
And so we pray, O oh God, that we would wake up, that we would be alert and ready to do what you want us to do, to follow you wholeheartedly, whatever that means. I pray in the name of Jesus, we will not be sleepy, that we will not be just thinking of ourselves, stroking our own egos. Oh God, I pray, help us to be people who are going and therefore who are growing. Help us to be a people who are proclaiming your kingdom, whatever the cost and whatever that means. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.